Welcome to Revere Assets, Your Money, with Danny Stewart. You never know how far the stock is going to go down. Tim Razor. Danny knows I'm a geek for all of this stuff. And Don Vandenborg. Telling it like it is. If you're seeking the best stock knowledge this side of Wall Street, you've come to the right place. I'm sorry, did I steal your stuff? No, you didn't steal any thunder. Who's handling this segment? (laughs) For the next hour, Danny, Tim, and Don will be talking investing. Investing is 90% psychological, and I love that. Trades. The market will usually overshoot to the downside and to the upside. And dumpster fires. Because it doesn't matter what you think or what I think, and it matters even less what Danny thinks. And now, here's your hosts... Danny, Tim, and Don. Texas Claus is coming to town. Texas Claus is coming to town. Oh, oh! Well, welcome to Your Money Radio, folks. Oh. I am your host for the 2022 Christmas Special Edition. Oh, my gosh. Or if you're politically correct, the Holiday Edition. Nah. We call it the Christmas Edition of Your Money Radio. And we have Ted. I mean, we have Michael, but not Ted. No. But we do have a special guest, Alex the Greek, that's going to come and make a yeah. special appearance. And he's going to talk about the markets. But you also have me. Texas Claw. Now, now, I am actually... Dan, would you say you're the ho-ho host? Oh, there wow. you go, Don. There you go. Wow. And, and my name is not Dan. It's Texas Claus, of course. <laughs> anyway, I am actually Santa's second cousin once removed. Really? Or is that first cousin twice removed? Anyway, it doesn't matter. I can't remember. I get all that stuff confused. But Santa is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. And my birth was 1836. Okay. They, they call me TC for short uh, in Texas. Uh, but I really want to know. I came out of the woodwork. I'm, I want to go. I, I, came, I, I came over on my Ford F-150. And now I'm trying to figure out, do I want to go to the Ford F-150 electric version? I've heard it's got tons of torque. Here's the problem. What happens if my battery goes dead during delivery, during in Texas, in the middle of the night, I can't. What do I do? You got a lot of land to cover. Well, I, I do. That's a lot. So I don't know if I'm going to go the electric, and we're going to actually touch on that a little bit later. But, but I want to track Santa Claus down and find out where is this Christmas rally we always hear about. Yeah, how is that second it's, cousin it, of yours? Yeah, how's that work? Removed? It's not working out. Anyway, you know we we've been pretty good. We've been pretty good this year. And we need to track down St. Nick and find out. Did I tell you I was a second cousin? Anyway. Did you? Yeah, I think you did. All right. So, but before that, we're going to go to the Your Money Radio mailbag. And we're going to talk about a Mia Culpa, Stan Weinstein stage analysis, and the China-U.S. manufacturing from the mailbag. And then we got to talk about SBF, Mr. Scam Bankman, Bank Run Fraud. He was arrested. Thank God, stealing from clients, just flat out. But will he get pardoned? Ooh, don't know. All right. And is Ed Jones, Edward Jones, they're offering these new personal managed accounts, okay? Or is it just the same lipstick? Is it just lipstick on the same pig? We'll talk about that. 
And and then we're going to talk. And I did put a couple articles on Social Security if you're widow widower widows benefits. But you can read the article if you got any questions on that. Reach out to me. I don't want to grind the show to a halt. And then finally, earnings, earnings, not inflation, and not rates. Interest rates, rising interest rates, are going to be the next driver of stocks going forward. Okay, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to have Don teed up. And we're going to talk about that. But first, we are going to go to the mailbag. Ah. So, the Mia Culpa. The Mia Culpa. Right? You know, because Don has a few trolls on Twitter, you know, the different social medias. He'll get a few challenges. And that's okay. Don's got a following. That's all right. You got people disagree on strategy and how to manage money or whatever. After a while, Don's kind of had his fill and got enough. And he'll get a little snarky and have a response back. Anyway. But I actually got this in the mail. I don't know if you can see this, but I actually got this yeah, nice yeah. card in the mail. And it says, Don, I'm sorry for trolling you online. You do a fantastic job and know that your videos impact a great many people. Wow. Please accept my apology. Well, wow. That was very nice. That's very sincere. So we got, we got one convert. We got one convert, hopefully. That, that mailed with postage? Uh, I mean, that was mail. That, that was fit. That was snail that mail. Free, that one, yeah. That's how you know the guy's serious. I mean, that's he's going to take the time to handwrite it, put a stamp on it, put it in the mail. Uh, you know, uh, but besides sending out all of my uh, uh, dry rub, the Pasilla rub I make for yes. all the clients, I send it out every year. Big hit this year. I mean, if you're not a client, you ought to join the, just the to blend get the dry this year, rub. Right? You wouldn't believe. But anyway, anyway. Uh, oh, I need to give you some, by the way. Yeah. Um. Um. It, 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 it's very good, but, but all right. So now in the mailbag. Okay. But besides that, I haven't mailed anything since last, since last time I mailed the dry, no. dry rub to clients. Yeah. You can't email the dry rub. <laughs> all right. So then the second mailbag and folks, listen, if you've got any topics you want to uh, talk about on the radio, you got a stock you want us to bring up or you got an idea or you want to break Don, you know, you want to uh, 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 troll Don? You know, send us an email and we'll, and we'll put you on. Uh, and I won't, I won't out you unless you tell me you specifically want to be outed. <laughs> uh, I'll keep your name discreet. Right. All right. So next one, dear Dan, really enjoyed your daily and weekly videos. Well, I appreciate that. I'm not really doing them. It's Don and the other. Well, but, I mean, but in, I, in I, general, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So brand. he said, mailbag. Since Ted worked on Stan Weinstein with Stan Weinstein, mm-hmm. would love to hear him talk about using the 150-day line versus a 200-day line as anybody, I presumed, compared the two lines for effectiveness. Thanks so much. And I said, hi, M. Thanks for the M. He's like James Bond's uh, uh, trinket maker, you know, M. He was the Q? guy who made all the stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks for the message. From reading Weinstein's, this is Ted. Thanks for the message. From reading Weinstein's books and working on his stage analysis masterclass, Weinstein has explained that he used 150-day slash 30-week as his gauge for trend. I've looked at many charts with stage analysis cycles, and I found the 150-day slash 30-week works well. But if your style is more conservative, then the 200-day slash 40-week would give you a later confirmation but not but i mean um, later confirmation comma but more definite thanks ted i said me this is me now m 
It will make the mailbag, although Ted will not be on tomorrow due to finals. Good luck, Ted. Good luck, Ted. We we will have a, but we do have a special guest. We will, however, read his answer. Now, before I go to Don on that very quickly, okay, I do want to point out, because this is kind of a interesting ta- uh, idea. So Ted actually in his email said, but if your style is more conservative, the who 200 day slash 40 week would give you better, more confirmation. Mm. Now a 200 day 40 week is longer by 25%, 150 day moving average versus 200 day moving average. So the 150 day is a shorter term indicator, a little bit shorter. So it's less trading, but you could have, you'd, you'd have less trading. Okay. With the 200 day, with the longer one, you'd have less trading, but more drawdown. So which is more conservative? Is trading more conservative with less drawdown or not trading? I know the regulators don't like trading. They like the pie chart. But that's just a philosophical debate that we could certainly have. But I'm, I just wanted to point that out because when Ted said his, the style is more, the 200-day is more conservative, I think that's kind of open to interpretation. It depends on what your thoughts. Yeah. Before we go to the next mailbag, which is an awesome letter, Don, I want to get your thoughts on that real quick. Yeah, can you go uh, bring up the chart, Zach? Yes, absolutely. So normally I um, use an ADMA for the purple line here. Uh, I put a 150-day uh, line on here. This was the 2021 uptrend, and you can see it really didn't. When you're in a strong uptrend, the 150-day doesn't really mean a lot. When you start pulling back, you can see uh, we got within uh, 1.2% of the 50-day before we bounced in October of 2021. And then below there is the 200-day. Now let's go to this year. And you can see the busyness over here. The 150 and the 200 are a lot closer as we start coming down. There's some jockeying back and forth. But it, the, the S&P seems to obey the 200-day uh, moving average better than the 150-day. Than the um, here they're very close. This was the, the, really the key day of the year on 421 when we tried to get back up, failed, and then we went into the big leg lower. Uh, here you can see it, it pays a little bit of attention to it. Every once in a while, I put one on here. It actually seemed to pay quite a bit of attention to the 150-day recently on this pullback when we failed at uh, 100-day. So we got up to the 200-day, failed, and on the pullback, we bounced right at the 150-day several times over the last four weeks. Uh, let's switch now to a weekly because it would be the equivalent of the 30-week. Uh, moving average and let's uh, and again it's the purple line here I always keep the 20 week the 10 week 20 week 30 week and 40 week on my weekly charts um, and you can see you know occasionally we pull down to it this was that uh, October period of last year that I was talking about um, and it's more of a guide uh, I don't know that one is better than the other, but Dan pretty much summed it up well when he said you would have less trades with the 200-day. It is certainly, uh, hey, pay attention here. If we break the 150-day, can we go down that extra um, few percent to the 200-day? So uh, if we bounce off of it in an uptrend, great. 
and then if it starts acting as support in a, a or as resistance in a downtrend, uh, that's very obviously a negative. Um, if you look here, the 20, I, I said the 150 day, the 30 week, but if you note the 20 week and the 30 week, which means the 100 day and the 150 day were pretty much overlapped over the last four weeks. So arguably it was a double shot of support, which it held for one, two, three, four weeks, and then finally broke this week, again, indicating a change in character with the reaction to the Fed on Friday. So the bottom line is, the industry standard is the 200-day. Weinstein's 150-day does have a lot of followers, and it does depend on your time frame. They, there's uses for both. We pay more attention to the 200-day from the standpoint that it's always on our chart, but when it's when it's appropriate, we'll add uh, the 150 onto the chart, and we always have the 30-week on there. So we are. Bottom line is we are taking it into consideration. Um, I don't think it's going to make or break any decision. Ultimately, if you're at the 150-day, you have already broken down below the 50-day, so the market is not at its healthiest. And it's that, at that point, it just becomes a reference point for is it going to hold that support or resistance. Yeah. So now, folks, the 200-day is, is institutionally followed by a lot of big pension funds, hedge funds, um, 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 institutional money, mutual funds. And so probably more people trade off of that for longer term or make some portfolio pie chart adjustments, asset allocation rebalances. The 150-day is less is used much less by longer-term fundamental players and much is used a lot more uh, by uh, active traders. All right, now, so the next mailbag, and this is actually a great, uh, I'm going to have to read this because this has a lot of uh, good stuff in it, a lot of jewels, and this is actually uh, from a client. Don, you mentioned Tesla in Tuesday's recap. My opinion, for what it's worth, on Tesla is that Elon mistakenly sunk enormous capital into two nations and that are going to struggle going forward, China and Germany. Tesla's German factory still has fresh paint. Just at the moment, the German export model is breaking. Germany must find a new source of energy. Russia's cheap energy is gone and not likely to return anytime soon. So whatever energy Germany finds will be too expensive for their manufacturing to make a profit at market prices. The powerhouse German manufacturing and export machine is no more. I don't think that realization has sunk in yet for the Germans or for the European Union. Things are going to get ugly there. China has become very unstable and the U.S. has simply cut them off. No more, no more high-end semiconductors to make high-end products, plus the issue of COVID. Lockdowns have been rejected, finally, by the mass protests. So now we wait and watch to see if the death rate in China gets extreme. Who knows? Unstable society. But bottom line is that the West has finally had enough of China as an unreliable supplier and a thief of technology and is moving their capital and infrastructure out of China. So China, as a base for U.S. manufacturing, does not have a good future. Apple, in a case in point, at Foxconn. And I believe Apple is in a multi-year scramble to find a new home for their manufacturing. Fortunately for Apple, they are sitting on a boatload of cash so they will survive. But they are not in a good place right now. Bottom line, although I'm a big fan of Elon Musk, I believe Tesla has made a strategic error basing their new gigafactory in Germany. They must have skipped the paragraph in their market research that talked about uh, uh, um, I lost my talked about a source 
and stability of energy in Germany when they were thinking about creating the factory there. And China is a hot mess and will impact all the heavyweights who source products from there, i.e. Apple and Tesla. I foresee a real decline in China as an exporter. Ergo, I foresee the real problem for the CCP and the Chinese domestic market. Dark hole. Tempting as it may be, I'm not interested in investing in an opaque nation. As we look at which companies will be the next, will lead the next leg up, he's looking for leaders, next stock leaders. I would eliminate those who were slow to see and anticipate these strategic changes in the marketplace. I'm looking for those companies who will benefit from those changes and are likely to be basing their manufacturing in Mexico and the United States. Listening to my thoughts on this. Oh, thanks for listening to my thoughts on the subject. Thanks from the peanut gallery. Now, while I agree with a lot of his um, um, things, he said at the very bottom, I, you know, I'm, I'm looking for the next leaders, but I don't think Tesla and Apple will be that. You don't really know that. You'll let the charts tell you. The charts will start telling you which ones are leading. But if I had to make a, a, a hypothesis, uh, that would be it. Okay, now, so we actually have some ex-Tesla employees, ex-Tesla engineers, and they are very knowledgeable. So I actually, so I sent this, because I wanted to get this guy's thoughts. He actually helped build the German Gigafactory, a couple of them, but um and he's he's you know he was in Europe for quite a while, so he is close there, and he knows these. He's he's actually had to deal with this. So I I, I emailed this guy, and I said these are some interesting comments from another client we received. I agree with most of the comments on Germany, Tesla, Apple, and other companies' predicaments in Germany and China. I did want to get your thoughts though, as you were much closer to the actual issues. I was going to summarize, but decided against it, uh, letting you see the comments in their entirety. Again, just wanted to know how much or little you agreed with his thoughts and how important finding alternatives to China are. India is now shooting for top gun in the global manufacturing and other countries like Mexico uh, are options. Biggest question is whether this is just a, quote, COVID fad away from China or whether there's long-term implication. Thanks, Dan. So he answers back. He said, Germany is not, is not too off. Energy security is a massive issue, and Germany does not seem to be handling this well. The Gigafactory still does not need much energy, so maybe there is still a chance. But Germany seems rough. However, even a doubling, this is kind of key for Tesla specifically. However, even a doubling in energy cost will change maybe a few dollars per car. He's talking about the price. What's more worrisome in Germany, he didn't put that. What is more mercy is the plethora of labor and political problems in Germany. China is a different story. COVID and economic difficulties persist, but actually other countries like India and the U.S. have their fair share of problems as well. Uh, U.S. has the highest death rate uh, due to COVID. I think this one is more balanced and still the profitability and quality of cars from China is seen as the best fit for Tesla. So he's saying from a Tesla perspective, they still think China's a good fit. Um, the Inflation Reduction Act is really what moves the needle for factory buildup in the U.S. If any, uh, reality, if any reality of the incentives for the Inflation Reduction Act are diminished, then watch for significant weakening on industrial buildup in the U.S. Hmm. So, Don, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that because we... 
talked about that a little bit. Again, I, I think that you got to let the charts lead you because those are two different opinions. Even though they're similar, they're not perfectly in line. They do they disagree a little bit. So, in any event, how are you going to determine when Tesla or or Apple is a buy or out of the woods? We don't own either. Zach, can you go to the chart? Absolutely. This green line, plain and simple, this is the declining 21-day moving average that has been acting as resistance for Tesla going back to late September. Attempt to get back above it in late October failed, rolled over again. Attempt to get back above it late November failed, and it rolled over. So very clearly, a change in character for Tesla would be if it gets back above the 21-day uh, exponential moving average, the green line, and the slope of the line turns back up. That will be a short-term change in character for Tesla, and that would be the first time I would even entertain uh, buying it. But the fact that it's, this break below the 200 level, you can see the 200 to 210 acted as support back here in May and June. It acted as support here in late October. Then it broke it, tried to get back above it twice in early November and in late November, early December, and failed again at 200, that's a, a brick wall now that it needs to uh, get through. You can see the 50-day moving average is coming through that. Tesla has a lot of work to do before you f leave the fa forget the fact that there's overhead supply. Everybody that owned it up here, everybody that bought it is looking to get out at break even. Uh, so anytime it would come up to 200, I would expect it to get rejected. Now, granted, it's 50 bucks below that, it's trading at 150, but it's still in a downtrend. So could you say, well, I gotta buy it at 190. No, I'll get it at 180, that's better. No, let's get it at 170. No, no, it's 160, let's get it at 160 now. And now it's at 150, when you'd been wrong at each level as it continues to go down. It's a falling knife. Falling knife, if you don't catch it, ends up in the top of your foot and that hurts. Uh, <laughs> let it keep falling, let it make a bottom. It's showing no willingness to make a bottom. Elon is distracted by uh, what's going on at Twitter. He's selling, he sold more shares, ton, a lot of shares this week, uh, Tesla shares to finance the big bills that he has come, uh, coming to Twitter. And um, it's, it's an avoid, if anything, it's short. And we talked about a month ago in inverse ETFs and there is a, a Tesla ETF. Um, that could have been used for this. I think it's TSLU. Yeah, I mean that's a good looking chart. That's if you're <laughs> Tesla. It's going higher. So that's inverse Tesla. Uh, Tesla's, that's inverse Tesla, right? Which is the complete opposite of the actual Tesla. Um, and I mean it's in a void. It it may become, you know, they've got great fundamentals. We keep stocks with great fundamentals on our watch list all the time but the technicals have to match the fundamentals and if they don't it's in a void so that's what that is for us all right now so so and what don said there was very very uh important i want to make sure you didn't miss that rather than trying to say oh this stock is cheap enough now it's gone down enough i'm going to buy it i'm happy with that price it's better to let it bottom out and start rising on strong volume, and even if you buy it 5% higher from where you thought it was bottom, because you're just guessing, okay, if you wait till it actually bottoms and then goes up 4 or 5% on strong volume, a lot of times you'll get it 15% lower. It's going to go down lower 
then you th- the market always will overshoot to the upside. Not always, but mo- usually will overshoot to the upside and overshoot to the downside because it's emotional. And so it, even if you buy it 5% higher, it's a, it's a less risky entry because you didn't know. You knew with hindsight, but you didn't know it wasn't going to go down another 10 or 15%. So what's Don saying is right now, if you decided to buy it at 180 or 170, now it's at 150. If it starts going up on really strong volume, you could get it at 160, not 180. You get it 20 bucks cheaper. And that's what's, what's important. More often than not, if you wait till a stock actually bottoms and then starts rising on volume, you will actually get more stocks cheaper than you thought by just trying to guess the bottom. All right. So we've talked about that. Let's, let's go to scam bankman fraud. Okay. I love that. This, this, I just love name. talking about him. Well, oh it, it's just so unbelievable. So he's, look, he hoodwinked not only retail investors, he hoodwinked big pension, I mean, hedge funds, Sequoia. I mean, he got big, he got states involved. I mean, he got people involved. That Canadian big, Teachers Union. Yeah, big, lost big. 400 million. Yeah. And they're, you know, the, I don't th- consider them as sequ- sophisticated as like the hedge funds, like the Sequoias of the world, but, but in any event. So um, um, he was selling all these people on how they have this high tech, um, um, what do you call it? Uh, system, uh, safety system, control system, so that people could not get over margined or over leveraged, right? The only people he said it was a fully collateralized position is it's a risk engine mitigation system that was very high tech, but his hedge fund that he and his girlfriend were running Alameda, they didn't have the same system. And they literally just went and borrowed money, just took money out of clients' accounts and stuck it in the hedge fund and then gambled with it and lost. And nobody ever said anything. And now Congress is actually, he's going to have to go testify and, co- and that should be good. Here's the other problem. There's allegations that he made all kinds of illegal political, we know he made million, tens and tens and tens of millions of con, uh, campaign contributions. But now it looked like a lot of them may have been illegal and over the, the limit. So I don't, Congress has to bring him up now because so many people lost money. But I don't think they want to. They don't want to shed light on this. There's also a, 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 a deal where he was raising money for, remember, uh, you know, I, I support Ukraine. I back Ukraine. I, all yeah. those things they were doing six months ago, raising money to help Ukraine. Well, he was raising m- tens of millions of dollars. Or for, theoretically for UK and funneling that right back uh, to the political parties. It wasn't even going to the Ukraine. So love that. Thank you, thank yeah. you, Sam. Thanks, Scam. Sam. Yeah. All right, all right. So now the next, the next uh, one is this is the one I really like is Edward Jones. Ah, Edward Jones. Oled Jones is coming out with these new managed accounts. Okay, now they said these models will include mutual funds and exchange funds. Well, they all, that's all they use right now is mutual funds and exchange-traded funds, I think. Anyway, it says, our defined research model is pre-constructed. So it's already built, and you get it. How do you know it's apropos? I mean, if they built it three months ago, and now you're just getting it? I mean, we're modifying our portfolios all the time. But anyway, all right, it says, um, according to predetermined percentages, it says, um, our Home office managed models have been one of the most popular ways financial advisors help clients 
reap their financial goals. Um, it basically, so they're going to take all your, all your, um, your personal situation, your individual, they're trying to make it more personal to you. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to slightly tweak their pie chart asset allocation models to make it seem like it's customized and it's going to be seem slightly modified, but it's still going to be a pie chart buy and hold using ETFs and mutual funds. Mm. My question is, what is the sell? How will you know when to sell? Is there a sell discipline? They'll tell you. Are we just buying and holding? So so without further uh, uh, information to make me think any different, my personal view, they're still doing the same easily cloned, duplicatable, replicable uh, en masse system so they can just, 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 just print them out. Client right. comes in, here's your pie chart, move on. Next person. Next person. So here's the problem. They try to make it customized for you and your risk tolerance, and it's really how much, what the market's doing. You got to adjust your risk to the market's risk. So our risk portfolio, our, the risk of our portfolios is modified daily. Sometimes we take more risk, sometimes we take less risk. So even if the client tells us they're super aggressive and they're bulletproof, if the market's selling off and crashing, we are going to get defensive. We're going to move to cash. Yeah. And I've got clients all the times, you know, right now in this market scared a little bit. And sure, we're down. We're down a lot less than the market, but we're down. And you, you tell them, hey, I'm really scared. Can you, can you, like yesterday, I got a few calls. Can, can we get a little more defensive? Uh, we already did this morning. We already have. Already on it. So, so yeah, so we're, yeah, we're already co- constantly making. And that's why I don't, I don't really, um, uh, like that, I don't think I don't think it's a good model. I think you got to. I think it's more about the market and the market's time frame. Yeah. Then yours, you got to put you got to align your time frame and your risk with what the market is doing at the current time, not just some pie chart for the next five years. Sure. Things change. All right. Now, um, I've also got this seven themes for stock investing by John Buckingham. I posted that on the show notes. You can go read it. It's Basically, he thinks bonds are going to be pretty good next year and inflation is going to ease and all this kind of stuff. But it really, again, it's a mutual fund that's got to be fully invested all the time. He basically said, well, I'm a value mutual fund. I'm down a little bit less than the market, but I'm down. But last year we did good. Well, So basically, he's kind of writing a value index. Don't agree with that either, but you can read his forecast. Yeah. All right. Now, this is the one that I really want to get to. Oh, golly. Because I think this is very apropos and interesting. Earnings, earnings, not inflation or rates, interest rates, pose the biggest threat to stocks, says Morgan Stanley's uh, Wilson. Now, now he is, Michael Wilson is, is Morgan Stanley's uh, uh, chief economist, you know, his guy that looks out. So he says, the biggest worry for U.S. equities is no longer inflation or even the Federal Reserve's upcoming rate hikes, but rather potential earnings downgrades. Um, The Fed has said to raise 50 basis points. They already did that. Um, um, He said CPI and the Fed meetings are yesterday's news. The final chapter, those are key words, because what he's saying is we're in the final innings of the bear market, according to him. The final chapter to this bear market is the path of earnings estimates, which are far too high. So what he's thinking is that 
we have another leg down, the market's got to adjust downward the mm-hmm. blue sky, the froth in the market, and pr- price-to-earnings multiples are too high, and they've got to come down. So with that, Don actually has a very interesting chart. We've been talking about this for about a week now, going over these things and looking at this. And when I saw that article, it just dovetailed with what we were researching and doing. So I thought it was perfectly apropos. So, Don, let's talk about that. Yeah, this is uh, um, a—it's ironic that you started quoting that, Dan. That was uh, some of these figures that I took from my chart came exactly from that article as well as uh, some stats from FactSet. So basically, uh, Wednesday, actually Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, the S&P closed at 3991.4020.3995. Those are the areas in blue here. Uh, The forward earnings right now for 2023, depending on who you talk to, are about $225 for the S&P 500. And at an 18 PE, which is historically high, entering into a recession that puts us right here between 3960 and 4050 okay so basically between 220 225 dollars in earnings at an 18 pe however the market dropped yesterday uh, and today after the fed and uh, it's very clear that the big institutions are hitting the exits with stocks so what will determine how low the s p goes is two things. First of all, what are the earnings actually going to be come Q1 when they start reporting in January? How will they adjust their forward guidance that will adjust this left part of the table? Are the earnings going to be $225 for 2023? Or are they going to drop to $200 for 2023? And then what does the market think that those future earnings are worth. And this is really a confidence uh, measurement. Um, on the bottom end, I have 12 here. In bear markets, we bottomed like seven, eight. Uh, right now we're up here 17, 18. You don't like to see a combination of reduced earnings and an increasing multiple, because look at these numbers around here. This is where you can end up at the S&P if the multiple comes down and the earnings come down. And the number that keeps uh, showing up in this area is around 3,000, uh, 2,900, 3,000, 3,100. Depending on what the earnings are and depending on what kind of a multiple uh, the, mar- the market is going to place on those earnings. Now, there's a lot that goes into this. Capital goes to where it's treated the best. You're going to have earnings coming out of Europe or coming out of Asia, coming out of emerging markets. You're going to have uh, bonds as a possible alternative to stocks. So a lot of it depends on whether or not the big institutions want to put their money in the market or if they want to put it in the U.S. market or foreign markets. Foreign markets have actually outproduced the U.S. over the last month and a half, but it's primarily been a currency issue as the dollar's been dropping. So this is uh, a little table of some various scenarios of where earnings, what might be, uh, and what uh, multiple the market might put on it. You just cross, it's just uh, earnings times PE gives you the value of the S&P. And in two days, we drop from the blue to the purple. If we're still saying 18 times, uh, does that mean that, that the market thinks that earnings have dropped to $215? We're right around here right now. We're at 3830. 
So right now that's 225 at a 17 multiple. Uh, arguably it's an 18 multiple and 210 earnings or is it 25 earnings at a 17 multiple. There's a lot of gyrations that this can go through, but this gives you an idea at various various earnings levels where the S&P can fall to. Yeah, okay. So so and what he's saying is right now we're around that 3870, that purple below the two blue. And that's at an 18 yeah. well, P. we're here, actually 3830 right now. So that's 17 at 225. Okay, yeah. So, but if you go from that 3870 or where we are now, and you go to a 16 PE or even a 15, you're talking about easily another 15, 20% decline. Anywhere 10 to 20, depends on how it, how it plays out. So you actually... So, so a, a, another, a third leg down is not out of the cards, and that looks like what's sort of shaping up right now it can always change. That's why we always say it's okay to be wrong. It's not okay to stay wrong. Right now, the markets are decidedly, decidedly bearish. Okay? All right. This, this is actually the, would be the fourth leg down. Okay. Um, All right. Dan, but... Um... And there were four legs down in the 2008 bear market. Okay. All right. Now let's go. Oh, let's, let's, uh, so, so we've kind of talked about that and people that follow the show know that we're pretty active folks. If you've got any questions on this, you can certainly reach out to us. If you want a complimentary portfolio view, be happy to look at that. All right, let's switch over and let's go over to, uh, should we take Michael first, or should we take our special guest? What do you think? That's a Zach? good question. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. All right, let's try Michael first. Michael, yeah. what do you got for us today? What are you looking at? All right. Um, so, all things considered, um, I mean, this is a sector I'm looking at, always looking for the next potential leaders, um, not saying to God and buy it, clearly, because um, – markets are under a lot of pressure and um it's yeah you don't want to step in front of that but when the markets do turn around as they always do um a sector that is holding up pretty well and showing uh some signs of strength and um is heating up again is the biotech um sector and um there's a couple ways to play that there's xbi which is um equal weight biotech among its top holdings. So it's got about a 1% weighting in um, pretty much all of its holdings. IBB Zach, is, is concentrated in its... Uh... There we go. Yeah, that's XBI. Um, so that's the equal weight. Then you've got IBB, which is concentrated in the uh, the top 10 um, highest conviction names, which um, I I prefer. I, I, I like those holdings. And, um, and yeah, I think that they're... Um, doing pretty well um and then you've got lab u which is um a, a 3x uh, way to play it if you want to um play it with some leverage um so that's the triple levered etf um which i highly recommend not doing in a bear market <laughs> if you do turn around it could be could be a good way to um to quickly add some exposure and um a few names in that biotech sector that um are heating up that that look interesting that um are being held down by this market but as soon as we we go into a new bull can can do extremely well um the first one is moderna and that's um ticker mrna and um 
in IBB, they're about a six and a half percent position and they're one percent position in XBI. Um, so there was some positive news recently a few days ago, which is why it um, gapped out of that um, that base, uh, that that cup and handle at uh, one one eighty nine. On on some strong volume, um, there was some news that of uh, about some recent trials of their um, personalized cancer vaccine. They call it PCV, and um, what they did was um, in so Merck, a company that they partner with, has a cancer drug um, called Keytruda, and they combined this new um, vaccine that they've developed, this PCV. And um, by combining it with Keytruda, it showed a statistically significant and clinically meaningful reduction in the risk of disease recurrence and death from melanoma. And, and it was by 44%. So that was, um, th those are some pretty huge results in, in the medical community. Everyone's kind of um, excited about it. The CEO was talking about it. Analysts are upping their price targets and believe that th this could be the real deal. And I mean, the holy grail of of biotech is really coming up with a, a either a cure or a vaccine something for cancer so if they can do that i mean the sky is really the limit so we'll see um they plan to start a phase 3 study in patients next year and um what's special about this vaccine is that it's personalized and allows for um individual treatment to cancer patients which is something that currently doesn't exist in in cancer therapies and um, they plan to expand this PCP vaccine to other types of cancers as well. So the optionality there is is huge. Um, so in terms of valuation, how to price this, uh, we'll we'll figure out and see what the market uh, determines is is fair. But um, it's it's really, I mean, at a seventy three billion dollar market cap, if this does work and it is a viable solution. Um, yeah, who who knows? Who knows where that valuation could could get to? Um, and then another company that that um, so they've got this company Exact Sciences EXAS gapped up today. Not on necessarily news specific to them, but news that their competitor isn't as good as they are, and that their results for um, they do they they do cancer screening and um and testing for um for colon. Uh, I think it's called colorectal cancer. Um, so they they have the best uh, tests for that, and um, there there was some doubt that uh, a competitor would take them over, but the competitor came out with results um, last night that were subpar. So Exact Science is where um, the funds are are adding exposure and where the money's going. So there, there's a lot uh, there's a lot of stocks in the biotech space that um, are interesting that have been outperforming the market. So it, it's a space. Um, I believe is worthwhile um, considering when when uh, favorable market conditions return. So that's, well, that's so, kind so of, uh, a couple I'm, I'm focusing on. Yeah, a couple comments I would make. So Wall Street, the 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 theory or the 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 story behind the pharmaceuticals is they're actually a pretty good place during recession or during weak times because people still have to take their medicine, right? They can't not take their medicine. So sometimes it's considered a little bit of defensive. But when you're talking about the biotech space where they're doing innovation and research and stuff now, what he's talking about, these two stocks, all these cheerleaders are out now because they got some good results. So they're cheerleading it up, which is not a bad thing. It's good. And it and, and he's right. If the if these cancer treatments do come out right, this thing, the sky's the limit. This thing could just take off like a rocket ship. 
But you will get positive and negative reports going back and forth. You have competitors trying to poke holes in it because they don't like it. It is volatile. These stocks are very volatile. So you got a position size accordingly. They're, they, they move very rapidly. So you just you got to just take that with a grain of salt. All right. So without further ado, we're going to bring back a blast from the past. We got Alex the Greek on. Alex. Yeah. How are you doing, brother? I'm I'm doing well, man. It's been a been a good year, and you know, in talks with Revere every day. Don and I talk daily, twice a day actually, and I try to share my insights on what I'm seeing in individual stocks and um, sometimes the macro with the overall market. I try my best. <clears throat> I got an interesting story for you guys. Um, this stock, Transmedics, TMDX, if you can pull up that chart. So I'm not going to really go over the technical. Uh, because we're in a bear, you, you'd really have to be um, very careful with a newer name like this. But I want to talk about the story. Because if we get the right market, this could be the fat pitch, in my opinion. Um, so they, they, so what this company does is they have an organ care system and for transplants, they have a heart, a lung and a liver transplant system. They are working on a kidney one that's down the road. Um, right now in the world, they only have cold, uh, stated, uh, product for the organs to transport. The problem with that is there's a high rate of failure. Uh, I'll give you some stats. I know Don loves stats. <laughs> so cold storage, old technology, basically we'll call it, but cold storage is very time dependent and it can cause ischemia of the tissue. Ischemia is lack of oxygen, so the tissue usually dies when there's no oxygen. You can't have that in, when someone needs a heart, okay? They can't have any tissue damage or the, the heart, when they put it in, may fail. Um, right now, only two to three out of 10 thoracic organs are used. I'll repeat that again. So 30% of current organs are used for transplants. That means that they're throwing away 70% of the donated organs in the world. Um, and post-op, after they put it into the new patient, there's a 30 to 35% complication. So either the organ doesn't take, which could be a blood thing, or it just fails altogether. Um, some 2021 stats out of the out of the 11,400 um, excuse me out of the 15,000 lung transplants only 2,500 were used for 13,000 hearts only 3,000 about 3,000 were used liver was a little bit more but you can see where I'm going with that right they're they're not utilizing these organs because they either get damaged from the ischemia or the patient doesn't, it doesn't take and there's a post complication. So this, so this organ care system that they've developed, imagine taking someone's heart and putting it into an environment, this machine, it's about the size of a desk that keeps uh, a human environment. The heart is actually beating in this machine. So they tie in instruments into the heart to keep it pumping. And the lung instrument actually expands and compresses as if it was actually breathing oxygen. So these organs are still alive. It, and there's no other company that has this technology. They have patents across the board. They're the only ones there. Um, I'll give you some stats on this organ care system too. Uh, there's only a 10% post 
transplant complication compared to that 35%. Uh, significant reductions in ischemia and en enables the organ optimization outside of the body. Um, the list goes on with uh, the technology. They have 12 high volume organ care systems across the country. So Miami, Phoenix, New York, Toronto, there's a list. That tells me that these hospital care systems and the insurance companies are on board because not only is it gonna save the hospitals and the uh, insurance companies a ton of money, but it's gonna save the patient. At the end of the day, that's the goal. So the revenue this year was up 95% from last year. They, they're gonna have some problems though. When I went through the conference call, the biggest issue they're facing is they can't roll out enough product for the demand. So they need to create more, probably another facility to create these machines to keep these organs going and successfully roll out to more cities. That's a, I, you may look at that as a short-term problem. I think long-term that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Demand is there. My precedent for this stock is 2015. If you could pull up intuitive surgical ISRG and put in, I don't know, 12, 16, 2015, you could see the area that this stock uh, started to break out and catch traction okay now this is all split adjusted and stuff so but if you keep going to the right on this weekly chart you'll see a massive run the stock broke out and it went on a tear um capital equipment or medical equipment i worked in hospitals before i got into trading and to get that big of a machine or costly device into a hospital requires a lot of C-suite pass through. There's a ton of red tape. So the fact that they're already in tells me that the surgeons and stuff are on board. Because you're, you're not working with nurses and stuff. You're working with heart surgeons, people that are opening up bodies and taking from another person to save someone else's life. So I'm extremely excited about this particular company. But at the end of the day, price action is the only thing that matters. And if the bear market continues, I don't know what this can do really, but it is in the right space medical. And if we get a, I mean, this is front and center for me, uh, this particular uh, transmedics company, TMDX. But you can see that roadmap there, what, it, what Intuitive Surgical did in the last 15 years, even through the bear of an 08, that big cup on the left there. So, yeah, I, uh, I think the massive underutilization of these organs, um, they're gonna be able to save more lives too. So it's something I can get behind and believe in, and it's new. And that's the big thing with uh, growth stocks and canceling guys, O'Neill type traders. What's new? What's gonna change the world? The well, end, yeah. Yeah, I think this is gonna change the medical community completely. And no one's talking about it. I don't hear anybody talking about this company. And that just, that makes my radar go off as far as being early. Um, I'd rather just be early. And, and if I have to sit through a little bit of pain, I'm willing to do that. So my stops are a little bit wider, not going as heavy. I will build a bigger position over time if we get the right market. As you can see, they're not even making any, there's no EPS. But all the great medical companies, Intuitive Surgical, Suave, uh, Suave, I traded a few years ago when it was at $50. It didn't have any earnings. So this is like the roadmap for a potential super winner. 
All right, Alex, I appreciate it. So a couple of comments I'd like to make real quick. If you look at that chart Don's got up, the trans, uh, uh, Transmedics group that, that Alex is talking about, look how the, the, the stock has kind of moved sideways over those last few months. I guess those are months, yeah. Um, um, Week. This is daily. Okay, daily. Okay, weeks. Um, um, w- compared to what the market is doing, I mean, just just do stock after stock. Look at other stocks. It's a top left to bottom right. They're all selling off. They're all going down. They're they're got a negative slope, and this is moving sideways. So something that's moving kind of sideways when most other stocks are going down, that's actually a strong sign on a relative basis. And look at that RS. The relative strength is ninety nine. So that that stock is definitely showing strength in an ugly market. That stands to reason. Yeah, started that, the year started yeah. the year at twenty. It it's up two hundred percent to sixty. Yep. I mean that that and, is and just getting is, started. That is strength, folks. And here one last thing. I I know how kind of the medical uh, community works and and kind of like that. My father was a he's deceased now, but he was a retired uh, neuroradiologist. Anyway, you know what's going to push this, Alex? You made a very apropos point. I want to make sure the listeners it didn't get by them. The doctors are going to be even if the even if the administrators say we don't want this, it's too expensive. It's too, you know we're cost cutting or whatever. If a, if a heart surgeon thinks it's going to drastically increase the probabilities of his patient surviving, yeah. you're damn straight. He's going to be pounding his chest and going to the administration. And with numbers like that, with like a forty four percent increase in outcome, you're going to have doctors lining up all wanting this system and if it's if it if these organs aren't showing ischemia and they're actually not atrophying at all that really makes a difference that truly is a game changer so uh it's it's definitely on our watch list uh uh well full disclosure we have a one percent uh position position in it right right and we and we will follow it and if the time uh is right we could add and, you know, that's a starter position we could add in, and hopefully over time we'll work up to a full position, and then hopefully Alex's is, is, uh, 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 theory is right, and it works out very well. Anyway, all right, folks, that's it for today's show, unless you guys got anything. Don, Michael, Alex? Oh, Merry Christmas. No, very clear, change, very clear change in character on Thursday after FOMC and following through to the downside on Friday. Yeah, so right now we're very, very defensive. Uh, if you're not, or if your advisor's not, you need to ask why not. Because right now, probabilities are, are suggesting lower markets, not higher markets. It's not very strong. Folks, listen, we want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, or whatever holiday you celebrate. Um, this is our... huh? Festivus. 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 Um, We are not doing a show next week. That's two days before Christmas because I figured a lot of people would be celebrating Christmas or with their families or or Hanukkah and whatnot. And and I wanted to give the Revere team a little bit of a break too. So this is our holiday show. But Don will be doing his market update videos every day next week. Right, Don? And he'll he'll be doing Friday. The last day of the year is actually on the 30th not the 31st. So he will be, uh, so you can watch the Daily Market Insights. Folks, if you like what you heard, tell a friend, tell a neighbor, just send them to revere 
asset up in the top right-hand corner. There's a subscribe button. Just have them put their name and email in. We won't reach out to them or spam them anyway. It's up to them to reach out to us uh, for a complimentary portfolio review, talk about thing, topics they want to have talk about on the show. Uh, but we do not browbeat people. In fact, I don't even really look at that email list. And you can email any of us with questions, Don at revereasset.com, Dan at revereasset.com, Michael or um, Ted at revereasset.com. And you can always call us old school at 855-REAL-WEALTH. We will be doing a New Year's show before the end of the year. So there will be one more show before the end of the year, and we'll do an annual wrap-up. And folks, we'll talk to you after after, uh, Christmas on your money. Because it's not how much you make in the markets, it's how much you can keep. Your Money Radio podcast covers general topics and investment ideas for research. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not meant to be investment advice. If you want or need investment advice, contact your own advisors or reach out to Revere Asset Management for individual investment advice. For more information, just go to revereasset.com.